This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday, the 6th of April. In your Squiz today, a two-way travel bubble with New Zealand in sight. Aussie couple freed in Myanmar. Facebook hack leaks users' data. And a great Easter for Aussies in sport. This is your Squiz today. We've hoped for a while now, today could finally be the day that New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern gives the green light for a quarantine-free two-way travel bubble with Australia. Both nations have been successful in keeping COVID cases low and containing new cases of community transmission before they become major outbreaks. And after a lot of consideration on New Zealand's part, it could be a major step towards a new normal. It really could, and certainly that's what's hoped by tourism operators because it's potentially worth billions of dollars for them. Currently, if you're coming to Australia from New Zealand, you can do that without having to go into hotel quarantine, but it's not the case if you're going from Australia to New Zealand. You need to do those two weeks of quarantine. So the hope is that a two-way travel bubble will open up. Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand's Prime Minister, has considered it and pulled it on a couple of occasions already, once in September last year and more recently last month. And what's expected is that it won't be sort of the green light for all of Australia. It'll be on a state-by-state basis. So that might be bad news for Queenslanders and those from northern New South Wales, given the outbreak last week. But you never know. We'll wait and see what the announcement is. Yeah, and on that front, Queensland officials yesterday said they were confident that no new local cases were circulating around the community. And in northern New South Wales, restrictions put in place last week were lifted. But it's not all good news, Claire. There's been a lot said over the Easter break about the vaccine rollout. Yeah, there really has pretty much from Thursday last week all the way through the weekend. There's been plenty of commentators and health administrators line up to have a go at the federal government about that vaccine rollout. Not enough shots are in arms, they say, and it could be the focus of more criticism this week. What the federal government, for their part, says is that it really is ramping up, that there'll be more more locally produced vaccines and also more clinics on the ground administering those doses. Yeah, and as for those commenting on the rollout, immunisation expert Professor Robert Boy said the problems need to be sorted out quickly because the possibility of the virus mutating to a more transmissible form is something that should concern us. Those were his words. An Aussie couple who were pulled off a flight and placed under house arrest in Myanmar last month have been released. Business consultant Krista Avery said she and her husband Matthew O'Kane were incredibly relieved. Very relieved as you would be. It would have been a very anxiety inducing couple of weeks wondering what might happen. They were working in the agriculture sector. Apparently they'd been working in Myanmar for quite some time. They're also friends of Professor Sean Turnell. He's the Australian economics advisor who was working with the ousted civilian leader there, Aung San Suu Kyi. He remains in prison and there's concerns for his well-being. And as for protests over in Myanmar, they continued over the weekend despite the military trying to control rallies by shutting down wireless broadband and mobile data services. Reports say six more demonstrators were killed by authorities. Over to Indonesia and Timor-Leste now, Claire, where at least 113 people have died after torrential rain and landslides flooded thousands of homes across the region since Sunday. 
Officials say that number is likely to rise. Yeah, and what disaster agencies across that region say is that they're doing a lot of work to try and find people, but they suspect that many are buried. It's going to take some time, particularly for those floodwaters to come down, for them to understand the true extent of the toll there. And to another tragedy, this time in Taiwan, 50 people were killed after a train hit a driverless truck that had rolled onto the tracks on Friday. The truck's driver yesterday apologised, saying he'll cooperate with police in their investigation. More than 533 million Facebook users have had their personal information like phone numbers, email addresses and locations published on a hacking forum. Claire, that makes it really easy for cyber criminals to get up to no good. It does. You can just go on to this site and find all this information according to reports. What Facebook says is that it's a breach that was previously reported in 2019 and that it's been fixed, but it's not really clear whether Facebook got in contact with with affected users. Meanwhile, those experts in the cybersecurity realm say that the forum really means that people can get on if they do have those very dark motives to find information and target users. So there's a big beware around that. Yeah, we found a helpful link where you can check if your Facebook data was among those that were breached. It's in your episode notes. Over the weekend, Claire, Australia lost one of the biggest names in fashion, Carla Zampatti. She died in hospital on Saturday, a week after falling at an outdoor opera performance in Sydney. Carla Zampatti really was one of Australia's biggest names in fashion. She was really remembered as a true trailblazer, not just in fashion, but also in business and for women's rights. She was someone who really did push forward the boundaries on all sorts of fronts. She was worn by pretty much anyone who was anyone in Australia, including our Princess Mary. Her 2015 official portrait is in a Carla Zampatti gown. Also, our first female Prime Minister Julia Gillard and plenty of others in politics wore Carla's suits uh, and dresses and gowns over and over again. Uh, Jenny Morrison also wore one of her creations to the state dinner that was thrown by former US President Donald Trump in 2019. Yeah, true trailblazer like you said there, Claire. Sam Paddy was married to John Spender, Australia's former ambassador to France, and they divorced in 2010 after 34 years together. She had three children the best known is designer Bianca Spender and she'll be honoured with a state funeral and we can expect to hear more about that in the coming days. Claire, I didn't own anything of hers, but my auntie wore a beautiful gold and blue Zampatti dress to my cousin's wedding, and it was an absolute standout. Yeah, yeah. They're very memorable moments, those Carla Zampatti dresses that they create. Uh, I certainly had a suit of hers that I wore in high rotation in the early 2000s, and I know I've got it somewhere. I certainly won't be letting it go. The only thing better than an extended long weekend is a long weekend where Australia triumphs in the sporting arena more than once, starting with the Australian women's one-day cricket team. Yeah, they racked up an incredible record on the weekend. The women's one-day cricket team has 22 consecutive wins under its belt. That breaks a record that was set 
by the much admired 2003 Ricky Ponting-led national men's team. Uh, Ricky Ponting paid them their due saying well done and hopefully there's more wins on the trot for them. Also, Ash Barty incredibly won a consecutive Miami Open title on the weekend. Her opponent had to retire with a foot injury, but a win's a win and she remains in the world's number one title. Yeah, and adding to that is Molly Taylor. She's the only woman to have won the Australian Rally Championship and on the weekend she claimed victory in the inaugural Extreme E-Series race in Saudi Arabia. It's a series that sees electric vehicles race in five countries that have been impacted by climate change and her win really cements her place as Australia's most successful woman in motorsports. And speaking of sport, Claire, today is International Day of Sport for Development and Peace. It's a celebration of the power of sport in driving social change. Sounds very official, doesn't it? I think that's a United Nations Day. Probably not as official or a United Nations Day. It's World Table Tennis Day. I don't know whether its official title is World Ping Pong Day. I don't think you can call it that, but well done to anyone who likes a bit of table tennis. (laughs) Lots of sport there, Claire. It's as if we planned it or something. That's all from us today. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.